You're listening to Mapleview Community Church Podcast. Today introduces a little bit of next month's theme, but it kind of also wraps up this summer of love. And um, so it's a little bit of a unique message that I'm going to try to preach. Some of you have heard it before. But I really had it on my heart. I had a, another whole message prepared, and I was cutting my grass that needed to be cut. And I was just, as I cut, I was just praying and asking the God regarding this coming Sunday of situations and circumstances. And I just felt like this message was laid upon my heart to share one more time. The last time I shared it was in 2020 with the congregation. But first, a joke. I debated whether to share the joke or not, but... Some of you come only because of the joke, so I thought I better, better do it. Three guys, Craig Head, Tim Preston, and John, all enter heaven at the same time. When they get there, St. Peter says, we only have one rule here. Don't step on any of the ducks. So sure enough, there are ducks all over the place. Ducks everywhere. Almost impossible not to step on a duck. And although he tries to bet his best, Tim accidentally steps on a duck. Along comes St. Peter with this very ugly woman and chains her to Tim. St. Peter says to him, your punishment for stepping on a duck is to spend eternity chained to this hideous-looking woman. The next day, John accidentally steps on a duck, and along comes St. Peter, who chains another extremely ugly woman to him for the same reason. Pastor Craig, having observed all this and not wanting to be chained for all of eternity to an ugly woman, is very, very careful. For months, he goes without stepping on a duck. But one day, St. Peter comes to him with the most beautiful woman he's ever laid eyes on. St. Peter chains them together without saying a word. Pastor Craig happily says, I wonder what I did to deserve being chained to you for all of eternity. She goes, I don't know, but I stepped on a duck. I save the best for the last. (laughs) See, that was worth coming to church for. Well, today's message is fairly a serious one, and yet, but I'm doing it in a, in a way. I I want to read to you, what I wrote a number of years ago, the narrative of heaven, your first day in heaven. My theme next month is going to be living with the end in mind. And I really do think sometimes, as followers of Christ, we think we're just, this is all we have. And we'll do whatever we want to do. And we'll act however we want to act. And we'll live however, this is in the world, sometimes within the church. And we fall into stuff and tragedies and moments of time and discouragement and depression because of some of our actions. And if we live with the end in mind, maybe, we might choose a little bit more wisely. So I wanted to close with this incredible picture of heaven that I, over 50 scriptures or more than that are weaved into this message. I'm not going to cite them all, but I put it into a story to show you the picture of what, and it's only my picture. Heaven will be far greater than I can even begin to articulate. But it's gathered from many sources compiled from God's word. And it's an attempt to cite as many as possible. It's not a perfect description of heaven, obviously. No man can make a perfect description of heaven. And I don't actually 
always trust the descriptions that when people have died and gone to heaven and come back and all these, uh, it could be, uh, it's, I don't need their descriptions when you understand the beauty of heaven right from God's word. Heaven, or Zion, often referred to Zion in the Old Testament, is the fortress or dwelling place of God. The city of Zion is God's dwelling place in the Old Testament. It's, it's an analogy for the kingdom of heaven. And where you will live out perpetual time. And I need you to follow this, church. I know it's going to be... You need, it's perpetual time. It's eternity. You are eternal beings. You live forever. You will never not be in existence. Zion is, or heaven is what God had originally designed you for and what you were destined to walk in. Satan, the snake, the serpent, deception in Genesis and subsequent sin of Adam and Eve stole all that away. It disrupted God's original purpose for you and I, his creation. But it did not thwart it forever. He sent Jesus into the world to die for us, to give us an opportunity. He built a bridge from her earth to heaven, two na three nails and two pieces of wood, the cross. He built a bridge so that you can enter into heaven's glory. The master carpenter succeeded in that. And so heaven is not an ethereal place. It's not just a place of, uh, of fog and smoke and, and cream cheese and all the other stuff that, you know, that we, we can th look at. It's an actual place. It's a definable location, an immeasurable, an immense, beautiful place beyond description. So I want to take you a tour. It's not an exhaustive tour, but for those, I want to give you a picture, just slightly a, a small picture of, of what it could look like, Zion, the kingdom of heaven. So I'm going to begin my, my tour right now, and I, I'm going to continue to read it because it, it's specific. Try to keep focused, please. I just feel like there's an urgency in sharing the importance of eternity. For the believer whose precious time and appointed time has come to join the Lord. That's scripture. It is appointed once for man to die. I'm not going to go. It's appointed once for you to, to die. All of us will meet our maker at some point. For the believer whose precious time and appointed time has come to join the Lord. The entry point of your eternal journey begins with the heavenly trumpets of God sounding your arrival and a mighty angel of the Lord standing there to greet you immediately after you take your very last breath on earth. The very last breath you take will be the very next breath. The very next breath will be your heavenly breath in the glorious realm of your ultimate destination. So what? So what? Breathe in. When your last breath is gone, your next breath you'll awake and it'll be in heaven. God's eternal kingdom of heaven, eternity. The begin, this begins the first of many exciting journeys you will make in the kingdom of heaven, but there's nothing like the first journey you make to the top of Mount Zion, the holy dwelling place of our heavenly Father. As your angel guide beckons you to follow, the greatest memories of earth's beauty is already fading into a shadow memory of a distant time. Nothing, no Bible study, no book, no movie, nor podcast has prepared you for what you are fear, feeling and experiencing right now. Nothing will ever compare to your first glimpse of heaven's beauty, and you have not even entered the holy city yet. Everything and everywhere you look appears pristine and new. Nothing faded, nothing worn out, nothing old. It's beyond imagination, like as if it was created just for you at this very instant. 
Ephesians 4.20, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. The new reality of being in heaven is only a part of the feelings you are experiencing. Your emotions and senses are being overloaded with awesome splendor that continues to catch your attention. The sights and sounds are breathtaking. You begin to relate to what John the Revelator received and wrote about in the last book of the Bible, Revelation, when he was on the Isle of Patmos. And here's scripture. And and he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel like jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with 12 gates and with 12 angels at the gates. On the gates were written the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. There were three gates on the east, three on the west, three on the north, three in the south, three in the east. The wall of the city had 12 foundations and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. The angel talked with me, had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates and its walls. The city was laid out like a square as long as it was wide. He measured the city with the rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia and lengthened and as wide and high as it was long. He measured its walls and it was 144 cubits thick by man's measurements, which the angel was using. The wall was made of jasper and the city of pure gold as pure glass. The foundation of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. The 12 gates were 12 pearls, each gate made of a single pearl. The great street of the city was of pure gold, like transparent glass. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb its lamp. As you continue to follow your angel guide and approach the gates of heaven, the size of the heavenly city is overwhelming and spectacular. From John the Revelator's description, you knew heaven was, I'm going to translate it into our terminology, 1,500 miles wide, 1,500 miles long, a size equaling two and a quarter million square miles. That is the size stretching from the Canadian border to the Gulf of Mexico and from the Rocky Mountains to the Appalachian Mountains. But what you forgot or never really even imagined is that the heavenly city is also 1,500 miles high. Our atmosphere is only 15 to 20 miles high. However, your idea that heaven was like some giant cube has been replaced with the most amazing and phenomenal mountain range you've ever seen. It's like a grand city with walls and with the, what begins with low foothills increasingly moves up to the, into the heights until you no longer can see where it ends. The summit being 1,500 miles up, the very peak being the top of Mount Zion where God himself is dwelling upon his throne. It's all pretty overwhelming, but with each step with the angel, you realize that you have no pain, no ache. You're not out of breath. You are in perfect shape and in perfect health. And as you continue to follow the angel in the dazzling realm of eternity, he brings you to an enormous but magnificently dazzling fortress wall made of jasper where foundations inlaid with precious gems of every kind. The earthly worth and wealth cannot even begin to be understood. The jeweled wall is impenetrable, and you feel amazingly safe as you step forward to the large gate. And here you see the largest single pearl gate standing wide open as if you knew you were, if it knew you were arriving. But in fact, you will learn that the, this gate and all the 12 gates of heaven are never, ever shut, for the gates of heaven are always open. 
The angel leads you through the gate, through the wall, into the city when you realize that it is inside the walls that this incredible and bright light filling the realm originates from. Once through the gate, you grasp, gasp at all you see. It's a realm like none other, a city teeming with movement and life. Towers, palaces, and mansions of every description meet your eye. You instantly recall what Jesus said in the Bible to his disciples. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would not have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you. It's hard to take it all in, yet as you start walking again toward the foothills of Zion, you see all kinds of people singing, laughing, and smiling. Some are waving excitingly at you, welcoming you as if they knew it was your first time there. People from every nationality and background of every tribe and tongue are there. No one looks troubled or tired. No one in a hurry or anxious. Peace on all their faces. The psalm you memorized at church comes back to you. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And I will save the Lord. He is my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. The angel guide gets your attention and you again follow after him as you move down the street. In this moment you fear nothing and only then notice that you are walking on streets that are literally paved with gold. Gold like you never could imagine. Gold without the slightest of impurities. Next to the street, you see a small stream of crystal clear water that runs as far as your eye can see up, up, up into the highest regions of the mountain. You can't help but stoop down to taste of what you know to be the living river of life, the river flowing down from the very top of Mount Zion. And oh, what a taste. What did the psalmist say? Taste and see that the Lord is good. If you think that is good, you can't wait to eat of the fruit of the tree of life. And at that very instant, it says your ears are opened up as well. And you hear the most beautiful sounds of heavenly praise softly in the distance coming from the heights of Mount Zion. You don't know how much time has passed, and it doesn't really matter anyways. You're in no hurry. You're amazed at the realization that no longer is there any need to rush or to worry. At this moment, the guiding angel brings you to a road that slowly begins to wind its way up Mount Zion. You have walked the lower foothills, but now you start the gentle ascent into the heights. Lilies of the valley, roses of Sharon, the gentle peacefulness of the tamed wildlife all around. Every creature, great and small, can be found throughout your walk. Lions, lambs, all the animals in all creation at peace with one another. And the trees and the vegetation also are so pleasing to the eye. The fruit looks so wonderful. Everywhere you look, to be, it appears to be a perfectly manicured garden. Not a single weed or a thistle bush anywhere. As you continue on the street of gold, you pass by numbers of mansions and palaces. And if the angel would have allowed you to stop, you'd have talked to those heroes you read about in God's word all those years back. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Gideon, Ruth, Esther, Joshua, even Rahab the spy, and so many others. But you'll have time for that later. You're spending all of eternity here. So much, so much, a land flowing with milk and honey, orchards of fruit, the most enchanting of songbirds, and always the background and the, uh, the rushing sounds of the river of life and the growing sound of the high praises of God coming from further up the mountain. It feels as if you were born for this place. It's where you feel you were made for and have belonged all the time. That somehow you have always been a citizen of this realm. Dare you say it even to yourself, a citizen of heaven. What was it Apostle Paul said in his book to the Corinthians? For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. He was not joking. 
This place is beyond imagination. His desire was for this place even while he lived. Once, af- once afraid of death's coming now seems so silly. And the angel moves forward up the mountain of Zion. The light grows brighter and warmer and more beautiful. And the sounds of praise also grow louder and louder. It's all so amazing, so wonderful, so overwhelming as you finally near the top. You encountered the most amazing thing so far of all the amazing things that you have seen so far and uh, hard to explain. There near the top, you see all of those of your family that have already arrived. Grandma, Grandpa, your little brother passed away too soon, your mom, dad, husband. All the generations of your family who have chosen Jesus are there. And somehow you recognize them and they know who you are. And they are all there waiting for your arrival. It almost makes you want to cry. But there are no tears in heaven. And everyone simply rejoices over your arrival. It's a celebration like none other. But in time, the angel beckons you to follow him just a little further. By now, the praises of heaven are all you hear. Loud, powerful, beautiful in every way, you have finally arrived. You now see a vanguard of the angel armies everywhere. The archangel Gabriel is there. The archangel Michael is there. You have arrived at the top of Mount Zion. And for the first, and, not, and for not the first time now, but the most intense feeling of your time so far begins to crowd in on you. The feeling that you have had so often throughout your life as if someone has been watching over you. The feeling is indescribable at that moment. The angel points you toward a great sea of glass, a crystal clear floor of immense size, a space so large that it can hold every being in heaven. It reminds you of a large parade ground. But it's more than that. It's more like a giant marriage hall. A marriage banquet could be given in this place. Of course, it's got to be all for all those who have chosen to accept the invitation to come. The angel points you onward. The last little way of your journey you must now make alone. So toward the great and glorious throne you head. Passing the most magnificent worshiping angels you have seen yet in all of heaven. Now you are at the very peak of Mount Zion in the city of the great king. You have finally arrived at the throne of the king of kings, the Lord of lords. Everything, everything you have seen and felt and heard now pales in light of his glorious presence. And there you find one more angel who announces your arrival by saying, To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. And in that moment, as you stand face to face with the Son of Man, it will be like no other moment. It's everything that we've lived for here. Everything that we put our hope in and our faith in. Let me read to you words that are not made up, but right from Scripture. Because it's there where you're going to encounter the Son of Man, dressed in a robe reaching down to his feet, with a golden sash around his chest. 
His head and hair white like wool, as white as snow. His eyes are like a blazing fire. His feet like bronze glowing in a furnace. His voice like the sound of rushing waters. His face like the sun shining in all its brilliance. And you will, like John the Revelator, when you see him, want to fall down as if dead. But from Scripture again, he will place his right hand on you and say, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and behold, I'm alive forever and ever. I am the son of the living God. Welcome home. You have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. Where you will hear Jesus say, I have been waiting for you. Somewhere in these moments, he will ask to see the scroll, the Lamb's book of life, to see your name written and your deeds. Listen up here, this is important. He will then reward you according to your actions on earth. And you will then enter into the joy of the Lord forever. From that day forward, you will have a residence in the living God's own neighborhood. From God's dwelling on the top of Mount Zion, you will never think God far from you ever again. All of earth's afflictions will be gone, and they will have only seemed like a momentary inconvenience. For the redeemed of the Lord have returned and come singing unto Zion. And this is but the first day. This is only a beginning. The rest of eternity is waiting. There's going to be so much more than this. Beyond anything describable. The Apostle Paul captures it succinctly when he pens in 1 Corinthians. He says this, as it is written. No eye has seen. No ear has heard. No mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. The first day in heaven. You need to live with the end in mind. You need to live with the end in mind. Every day that you're alive, you draw closer to drawing your last breath. You cannot just live for this moment. You know that. Do not be distracted or deceived that this is all there is. Do not look at the world's wealth and say, that's what I need more of. You need more of Jesus. We need, I need more of Jesus. At the end of September, the last message, if you dare to come, I will give another narrative. But it won't be of heaven. It's the alternative. If you don't live with the end in mind and Jesus in your heart, it's the alternative. The narrative of your first day in hell. It's a message I've only preached one other time, probably around eight to ten years ago. It's the hardest message I've ever preached in my life. 
But something's got to move you and me. Something's got to stir in our hearts that we're living for more than what just meets the eye. Somewhere in it, we have to understand that God has a high calling on our life. And this is the proving grounds. This earth. For some, this will be the only heaven they know. It gets as good as this without Jesus. And for others who know Jesus, this is the only hell you'll ever know. Somehow, hear the words of the Lord this morning. Father, I thank you. I thank you, God, that you're working in our lives. And I pray, Lord, that something of this message, that the best is yet to come, I can say that every day of my life and mean it 100% that I can say the best is yet to come because I have this picture fixed in my mind. And as long as I'm on this earth, there's a better day coming. A moment in time where I get to see you face to face, transformed in the twinkling of our eyes. Heavenly Trump, whether the Lord comes and returns and brings me to be with Jesus or whether I pass away from this life does not matter to me because I know as long as I'm serving you, the best is yet to come. Through many griefs and challenges and toils, we've all traveled, but through God's amazing grace, we will have an incredible day meeting you face to face. I thank you, Lord. I pray that you instill this message into our hearts. That something of the picture and all the scriptures woven together would connect in dark moments for all of us. Hold on. Hang on. Trust Jesus. He's got a plan and he's working his purpose. Thank you, Heavenly Father. And if, no one, if you're here this morning, you've never committed your life to Jesus. If you've never made a decision, said, Jesus, come into my life. I pray. I pray with all my heart that you'd make that decision. That you say yes to Jesus. That you say, Jesus, come in. Forgive me of my sin. I want every one of you. I want to see every single person in the final destination. I want to see you all one day in heaven. It's the goal of my life. And I want to see more. Everything we do revolves around this picture for me. All the extra work and challenges. I, we can never lose our passion for Jesus. Amen. So Father, thank you. I leave it with you, Holy Spirit, to tug on the hearts of people this morning. Those that have never received Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I leave it to you, Holy Spirit, because it originates with you. It always has been you who draws a man to the Father. It's not our strategies. It's not our plans. It's not our programs. Or it's you. And I pray this morning that anyone here has never made a commitment to Jesus would quietly on their way home or in this place or with a friend say, pray with me. We want everyone here to be in heaven. We give you praise, glory, and honor as you continue to reveal yourself in Jesus' precious name. And everybody would say, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We, the best is yet to come. Amen. You're listening to Maple View Community Church Podcast. Mm-hmm.